Hello, my friends. What a big show we have today. Oh, my gosh. First of all, an amazing new public opinion poll by Leger about Rebel News and what people think of Rebel News. I am so excited by it. I'll take you through the poll question by question and answer by answer. And then we'll talk to our friend Lincoln Jay, a Rebel News reporter who was charged and ticketed for reporting on the Quebec curfew two years ago. He had his day in court. We'll tell you about that. That's all ahead. But first, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's the video version of this show. You really want the video version today. Go to rebelnewsplus.com, click subscribe, eight bucks a month. It might not be a lot of dough to you, but that's a lot to us because it really adds up. Go to rebelnewsplus.com. All right, here's today's show. Tonight, Canada's leading pollster asks Canadians what they think about Rebel News. And the answers are very encouraging. It's July 7th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. You bug. I'm very excited. I want to show you a new poll. It was conducted by Leger, which is Canada's largest pollster. It's a special poll that we asked them to do. We asked them to measure Rebel News's reputation in Canada. We told them what we were interested in learning, and they wrote the questions to make sure the poll was neutral and scientifically accurate, not a fake push poll that gets a predetermined result. I want to read to you Leger's terms for doing polls like this one, and then I'm going to dive right into it. Quality control. Stringent quality assurance measures allow Leger to achieve the high-quality standards set by the company. As a result, its methods of data collection and storage outperform the norms set by the World Association for Public Opinion Research. These measures are applied at every stage of the project, from data collection to processing through to analysis. We aim to answer our clients' needs with honesty, total confidentiality, and integrity. Thanks for letting me read that to you. I want to show you, I want you to know that we had no control over the process or even the exact wording of the questions. We left that to the pros and here are the results. And I am so excited and proud of them. And I want to tell you about them because I think it's proof of our concept of citizen journalism and it's proof of our strategy of never taking government money or money from a big corporation, never taking money from anyone really who could control what we say because our total editorial independence Because of that, we've won the trust of millions of Canadians. Let me show you the results that I think are so encouraging. The first question was pretty basic. Have you heard of Rebel News? That's a good one. Um, By the way, uh, and you should remember this, only about half of Canadians care about the news at all. A recent poll by Meru shows that Only 16% of Canadians check the news all the time. I would be one of those people. Another 35% check the news, I'd say, frequently. So that's a total of 51%. But the other half of Canadians follow the news only rarely or even, like, never. So the Leger poll found that 25% of Canadians have heard of Rebel News. We're eight years old. We have a marketing budget of pretty much zero. It's all word of mouth. It's all friends sharing with friends. And yet 25% of Canadians have heard of Rebel News, which is about half of the news-watching population. I think that's amazing, but that's just the average 
Of course, it's higher and lower in different parts of the country. We only hired our Quebec team a couple of years ago, led by the amazing Alexa Lavoie. And yet already, 13% of Quebecers have heard of Rebel News. And that's the lowest province for us. I think that's pretty great, uh, given how new we are there and that we don't do a lot of French content. I think it was our pandemic and lockdown coverage that really helped us break through there. So that's the lowest. But it goes up from there, 15% in the Atlantic. I wish we could cover the Atlantic more. 25% of people in BC know us. 27% in Ontario, very strong. 29% in the prairies and an unbelievable 49% in Alberta. We are bigger in Alberta than the so-called mainstream media. And it shows. Our coverage had a major role in determining, sorry, in, in demonstrating the problems with Jason Kenney's lockdowns, which led to his ouster as premier. And we championed the liberty agenda of Danielle Smith, the new premier. I think we're big in Alberta. I know we are. The poll says we are. Now, we skew male. So 32% of men in Canada have heard of us, more than women have. And would you look at that? Our viewers, they're young. Now, often conservative organizations have older members or viewers, but look at us. Rebel News is stronger with younger people. Now, I love people of all ages, but we're really connecting with young people, which I think is great because it's hard to get young people to care about the news. They care about Rebel News. By the way, I've uploaded the entire poll on a special website, Rebel Poll. Com. So go there and check it out for yourself. I would love it if you read through it. But look, just because someone has heard of Rebel News doesn't mean they like Rebel News. Uh, I mean, I like to say the other guys are bland. They're vanilla. Like, who would who would pick up the Toronto Star? Uh, they're bland. We're Tabasco sauce. I mean, we're not for everyone. Tabasco sauce is not for everyone. But for those who like it, they like it a lot. And the opposite is true also. If you're a lockdown extremist, if you're a mask wearing scold, if you have pronouns, if you love the carbon tax and Trudeau, I think Trudeau's dreamy, you're going to hate rebel news, which is the right thing. So whereas some media try to appeal to everyone by standing for really nothing, we do the opposite. We take a clear point of view, but it works because we really are one of the few contrarian voices in the country, which is needed, especially in the past three years. So look at the results. The question was, do you have a favorable or unfavorable impression of Rebel News? It's very neutral wording, isn't it? And here's the answer. Canadians who have heard of Rebel News are split as to their opinion on the organization. 42% express a favorable impression, and the same number believe the opposite. Isn't that interesting? I think that's a fair deal. I'll take 42% support. I would be surprised if 42% of Canadians support the CBC or the Globe and Mail, I'll tell you that. And again, it varies by demographic. Men support us more than women do. Young people support us more than older people do. The absolute strongest support for us is in the prairies, 52%. So if you're a young man in Saskatchewan or Manitoba, uh, I haven't seen the crosstabs, but you're probably, you know, it's 65% support for Rebel News if you're a young male person in the prairies. You're in, you're in rebel country. Hey, just a quick note on who really, really hates us, though. Can you see that pink bar near the bottom right of the chart. Those are people who say they have a very unfavorable opinion of us, people who hate us. So white people are 33% likely to say they hate us. But that number falls to just 21% for visible minorities, which is how Leger breaks it down. Isn't that interesting? 
I, I sort of knew that was true instinctively. Everywhere I go, new immigrants, visible minorities come up to me very supportive, especially Sikh Canadians, especially people from the Caribbean. I'm just telling you my life experience, but that's always been anecdotal. Now I have statistical proof. Why is that? I think it's because woke leftists in Canada are often rich white liberals who love being offended about things, whether it's our conservative views or our irreverent style. Visible minorities, new immigrants, I'm just guessing here, I think they like our take on the issues. For example, our opposition to transgender extremism or reducing taxes. And I think they're not quite as dainty and easily offended and politically correct as white liberals. I don't know, but I love it. If you are a young visible minority male from the prairies, it's pretty much guaranteed that you are a rebel. Am I right? That's what this Leger poll says. Feel free to really study the results at rebelpoll.com. I put the whole thing there. I thought it was a really interesting poll. Okay, next question. Let me hurry up. When is the last time you saw a Rebel News video, e.g. on YouTube, or read a Rebel News article or social media post? I think that's a good question. Let me read the summary. Again, you can go through the, the details yourself at rebelpoll.com if you want to. Of those aware of Rebel News, six in 10 have seen a Rebel News video or, re or read a Rebel News article or social media post. One in four have seen or heard something within the past week. Although Quebecers are less likely to have heard of Rebel News, just 13%, 77% of those who are aware have ever seen or read something from Rebel News versus 59% in the rest of Canada. Isn't that interesting? So Quebecers, not a lot of them know about us, but those who do, they come to us frequently. Canadians who identify as BIPOC, that means black, indigenous, or people of color, are significantly more likely to have ever seen a Rebel News article, video, or post. 77% versus 58% of those who identify as white. Isn't that amazing to you? I, I just, I don't know exactly how or why. I want people of every race and every age and both sexes to love Rebel News. It really defies liberal stereotypes, doesn't it? That the people who visit our website the most frequently are visible minorities. I, I think that's pretty cool. And really, for everyone, 24% of people go to Rebel News in video form or some other story once a week. And 11% of people are coming to our site every day. No wonder Justin Trudeau hates us so much. Seriously, did you know we were so big? I always had sort of a secret hope or sort of a hunch, but I didn't know, I couldn't prove it until Leger did a statistically valid national survey. Okay, let me speed up a bit here, but the next three questions which were asked together are just amazing. And really, I've saved the best for last. So here's the question. Here's how it was read to people. Thinking about Rebel News, do you agree or disagree with the statements provided below? And the first one is, Rebel News covers the stories the mainstream media outlets don't want to cover. Well, even our critics would have to agree with that we do that, right? So 57% of people say, yes, that is what Rebel News does. And don't you think that's valuable in a democracy? I mean, seriously, in an age where all the mainstream media just repeat the same talking points, seriously, they all run the same Canadian press wire stories, same as the other guys. There's so few actual journalists out there. Isn't it nice to have some news outlet writing news that is otherwise ignored? Okay, how about this? This is the next one that was tested. Agree or disagree? Media organizations like Rebel News do a better job than the mainstream media at holding government and politicians to account. And would you look at that? 46% of people say, yes, 
we do a better job. In fact, 27% of people are adamant about it. That is so encouraging and actually not surprising. Over the past five years, Trudeau has colonized the regime media with his bailout money and his subsidies, and it really shows it is not a good look for the mainstream media. Most journalists are just Trudeau's mouthpieces now on every issue. They just sort of echo the Liberal Party, and people notice that, and they don't like it. 46% of people believe that we hold politicians to account better than the regime media does, which is why we're always kicked out of press conferences by Trudeau and roughed up by his police, while the media party journalists are allowed in for their softball questions. I mean, if I ever had Justin Trudeau trapped in a small airplane with me, like this reporter, and if I could ask him any question and he was stuck with me, and the only way he could escape me was to parachute out, I guarantee you I wouldn't waste any questions asking about his shampoo. So I guess the first thing I should ask you is, are you feeling lucky? I mean, <laughs> the entire country wants to know. What shampoo do you use? <laughs> what a disappointing answer this is going to be. Whatever happens to be hanging around at the time. Yeah, that was global news. That was Tom Clark. But he knew what he was doing. He's smarter than me. He was later appointed by Trudeau to an amazing patronage gig. He's the consul general in New York City. What a great gig. But you don't think people notice that? Hey, what's your favorite shampoo? Oh, hey, thanks for appointing me to the government. The day I ask a politician what shampoo they use is the day you should fire me. But this next question is my favorite. We really have saved the best for last. Ready? Here's how the question was, was put to people. Agree or disagree? I trust the reporting of Rebel News more than the mainstream media. Wow. Okay, well, let's get to it. 41% say yes, including 22% who strongly agree. Now, many don't, in fact, agree. 36% strongly disagree. Fair enough. And it would really be weird if a liberal supporter or NDP supporter or Greenpeace supporter trusted Rebel News more than they trust, say, Trudeau's CBC state broadcaster. That would be that would be weird. It's just like the poll question about whether or not people like us. Some people love us. Some people hate us. Not a lot of in between. It's the same for this question about trust. But still, think about this. 41% of Canadians are so repulsed by how journalists conduct themselves, especially taking all that Trudeau cash, that they would trust our little band of citizen journalists in our little rickety company started in my living room eight years ago. No government money, no marketing budget. 41% of Canadians trust us more than they trust the oligopoly, the CBC, CTV, Global, the Toronto Star, even Post Media. In just eight years, We've earned the trust of 41% of people so deeply that they no longer believe the old guard. I mean, they grew up watching CBC, CTV, Global News, reading the old papers. They no longer trust them. That is incredible. And we're just getting started. But, of course, it's not just our good work. It's the atrocious misconduct of the media party who have gladly, eagerly sold out to Trudeau. And people see that. I found this poll very encouraging. And if you did too, go to rebelpoll.com. Read it carefully for yourself. There's so many little nuggets in there. I, I read some of them to you, but not all. And if you feel as excited and encouraged and vindicated by it as I do, 
maybe consider chipping in a little bit right there on that page, rebelpoll.com. This poll isn't just a validation of our editorial quality. It's a validation of our fundraising approach, crowdfunding. Never take a dime from the people we cover. Never take money from governments. Always rely on our viewers. That is why people trust us, because they know we're not bought off by Trudeau or, for that matter, any conservative politician. If you're as happy as I am with the results, go to rebelpoll.com. Help us keep up the good work. Thanks. Hey, welcome back. It's great to be back in the studio. I've been traveling around a little bit. I hope you enjoyed my visit to Marseille, France. I thought it was a real eye-opener, and I apologize again for my terrible French. Uh, something happened when I was away. Our One of our reporters in our Toronto office had a trial, a full-day trial in the beautiful city of Montreal, and he had a victory. Joining me now to talk about it is our friend Lincoln Jade. Lincoln, great to see you. And first of all, congratulations. You had a full day trial. I, I wish I could have been there. I was actually coming home from Marseille. Um, tell me, what were the events in question that got you the tickets and the charges? I think it was just a ticket in this case. Uh, tell our viewers when it was, where it was, and what it was that got you in trouble that caused you to have a trial last week. Yeah, well, thanks, Ezra, for having me It was on. just this week, I guess, a couple days ago. Yeah, just a couple days ago. So just for those who are not aware, in March of 2021, there was a curfew in place in Montreal. So rebels being rebels, four of us head out, headed out to Montreal to see what was going on, you know, just to do what we do to document. So one of those nights, we head out on the streets and... Yankee uh, was kind of the lead reporter that was covering the curfew. So three of us went down from Toronto to Montreal to assist Yankee. Because he knows he's from there, so he sort of knew the neighborhood. Yeah, so we were driving around, and um, Yankee got a call that a minor was put in the back of a police car. So we went to investigate it, and right away we get out of the car, cameras out, rolling, and the attention quickly shifted right to us. And long story short, we were ticketed $1,500 each for doing our job, for reporting. Uh, oh, 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 oh. Huh? Be ready, I'm gonna stop. You guys jump out. I'm not sure why, okay, he's giving it to you. Oh, go, 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 go. Uh, you speak English? Do you have any papers to allow? Yeah, we have papers. Okay, I'm gonna check Yeah, you can check them. What we're doing? Yeah. We're filming you guys. Why? Because that's our job, we're media, we're filming. Okay, I'm gonna take the papers. Yeah, yeah, sure. You can take all the papers. So we're all together. We caught these officers putting this young Hasidic Jew in the back of their police cruiser, allegedly for breaking the curfew. Yeah, yeah, so here's my paper. In Quebec, police officers don't have body cams. Yes, that's me. So these are your documents. Thank you. Plus the uh, COVID ticket that comes with it. 
So can you explain why you're giving tickets to, to members of the media? What's the, what am I, uh, is this you? Is there, what could you explain why you're giving tickets? Could you explain why you're giving a ticket to a member of the media? Because you're you, outside. Yeah, but I'm a member of the media. You know me. You, uh, I don't you, know you. Or when me, your colleague said you know yeah. he knows me. You but, can contest it if you uh, want. Yeah, but why? I have a curfew note. I have a letter of the SPVM. I'm allowed to be out. Why are you giving me tickets to my coworkers? It's not from the SPVM. What? The email is not from the SPVM? No, but the ticket is from us. So that was over two years ago. And I remember it was one of the harshest lockdowns in the world. I mean, Melbourne was terrible. Toronto was terrible. But a curfew, that's what you give to a child. A curfew, I mean, a lockdown is what you do in prison, too. Imagine giving a curfew to healthy people, even to vaccinated people. Everyone was forced to stay home like everyone was a prisoner or a child or something. But tell our viewers, because I remember thinking, how are we going to cover this curfew? Because naturally, to cover it, you would break it. But there was a special legal exemption for reporters. By the way, I don't think anyone should have been under the curfew. I think anyone can be a reporter. But there was a special journalistic exemption, wasn't there? Yes, correct. So with, uh, with that being said, we were, we were given a letter, right, written from yours truly, to permit us to be outside so that if the cops did hassle us, did pull us over, whatever the case may be, we could simply show this document that essentially should be permitting us to be outside. Yeah. Now, anybody who lived in Montreal who experienced that curfew, they can tell you, I'm sure they'll agree with me when we say, it was very creepy, it was very eerie, and it was dead silent on the streets of Montreal. The busiest streets. The busiest streets. You could stand there and look all the way down both sides and not see a car. Let me just give a few more facts about that letter. That um, When we looked to do reporting on the curfew, we immediately checked the law. We wrote to the police saying what, that we would be going, and I downloaded that form from the government of Quebec. They had an official form. They called it an attestation, if I recall, where a, the president of a journalistic organization, in this case me, had to give a letter of uh, attesting that, hey, this guy really is a journalist. He really is doing reporting. Here's my phone number if you have any questions. It was like I had the right to, to deputize you to give you a permit, really. And I didn't make this form up myself. I literally downloaded it from the provincial government's website. And so we really followed the law. In fact, we started emailing in advance the police to say, hey, we're coming, we're sending our people, everything's kosher. We had name tags, we had all these things. You showed that to the cops, but they didn't respect that. No, they did not respect that. And uh, all, right away, we showed them the documents. And I'm not sure if they were calling this, uh, their, their boss, essentially, what they were doing. But it's freezing cold outside, kept us outside on the sidewalk, on the street for almost up to 30 minutes. And just to ultimately let us go, but with a $1,500 ticket each, $6,000 for all of us. So you fought that. And the other journalists involved, I think their trials are yet to come. And this is the crazy part, because they were giving out tickets willy-nilly, and they were in the heat of the battle, the curfew was new, the cops didn't maybe know the rules and the law, and everything was sort of fly by the seat of the pants, but that was two years ago. Here we are in 2023, summertime, the police had a chance to reconsider, the prosecutors, this actually went to a full court hearing with a judge, with a prosecutor, with a translator, with a clerk, with you, with, with your lawyers. Um, it's astonishing to me 
that the government of Quebec felt that this was a priority for their justice system. There are real crimes in Montreal, even violent crimes. People are in jail. But they took, well, I want you to describe for our viewers how much time, how much resources for this stupid ticket. Yeah, so we started uh, We started court that day, 9.30 a.m. sharp. Court wrapped up, so I was free to leave, essentially, at around 3 p.m. that day. So I believe there was two prosecutors who were trying to find me guilty. There was one police officer from the SPVM, just one police officer. That's some, uh, SPVM, that's a, what they called the Montreal police. Yeah, correct. So one Montreal police officer showed up, and this police officer originally was on scene for the arrest of the minor but in his statement that he gave to the judge he clearly says that he left before we were even ticketed so he was long so he didn't gone. even have facts he could testify to nope and that's the that's the only police officer that showed up that day but they forced you to attend i remember talking with you about can you appear by zoom they forced you to travel all the way to montreal but the cop who arrested you didn't even bother to show up did the judge was the judge irked by that yeah, the judge the judge was a little frustrated, I think, at the whole situation because uh, our lawyer was potentially going to try and postpone this trial again to have someone that was actually there, a police officer that was actually there for the ticketing to be present in the courtroom. But the judge really did not want this to be prolonged any longer. She stated herself that we're to postpone this trial we won't be back here until October, November. She also stated something that's very noteworthy after she said that, which was, we know Rebel News. We know they're a news organization. It is clear that he's a journalist. Maybe you guys can step outside of the court and try to talk it out. And at that point, we maybe thought that they were going to just drop it. The prosecutors they would do a plea bargain with you because the judge really was signaling, guys, stop wasting my time. We don't. I mean, imagine when you said nine thirty to three o'clock. That is pretty much a full day of, of court because the judges come into the office first, go to their office, get their papers, review the paperwork. So when it, when when you said nine thirty sharp, the judge has probably been there already for maybe an hour, and when it ends at three, the judge it doesn't go home right away. So a full day's court, two prosecutors, and I got to think this judge is thinking, what am I doing? Can, can these guys get their act together? So the judge says, hey, guys, go cut a deal. But the prosecutors obviously didn't want a deal. No, no deal. They wanted to continue uh, with the trial. Do you recall and anything they said? Were they particularly aggressive or, or vindictive in any way? Were they political in any way? Because two prosecutors, I mean, no disrespect to you, Lincoln, but you don't merit two prosecutors for a ticket. Um, like that, two prosecutors, that's for a major crime. This is basically an expensive ticket. It shouldn't have gone to court at all, but two prosecutors, that sounds crazy to me. Yep, so there wasn't much in the police. So the actual police report from the night, there, there was not much. It was about one or two sentences, so it was very, very brief. But what the prosecutors were going on was the fact that they were trying to say that we were there with the intention of having this police interaction of potentially getting ticketed, arrested. They were trying to make it seem like we wanted the attention from the police. That was our intent of going there. Essentially saying that it's empty streets. There's nothing going on in Montreal. Why would you guys need to be out there? The curfew has already been in place for four months, exactly what they said. Why would you guys 
have to be out here reporting. You know, basically. So they were playing editor in chief. Yeah, basically trying to persuade the judge, I guess, into thinking that there was no real purpose for us to be out there, but ultimately... Well, we can be out there for any reason or no reason, because we're journalists. And frankly, it's my view that every citizen should have the same right as a journalist. What is a journalist other than a citizen who's telling a story? So they, so things proceeded. Now, you played the video, and that's the great thing about our business, is that we video everything, and we always talk about behaving ourselves and... And by the way, what we do behind the scenes can perhaps be shown, so be on your best behavior. Tell me how that went down, because it sounds like the prosecutors thought, ha-ha, we'll play their footage and we'll make them look really bad. But that sort of backfired on the prosecutor, didn't it? Yeah, this was very interesting. So um, we had the intent, which we did initially, was we had specific time codes from the video to play in court. because It's about a 13-minute video, so we wanted to just get right to the point and show the the. This, the time codes that we thought were necessary. So we played those time codes and the prosecutors responded with, um, we would like to see the whole video. I guess uh, some views, some opinions are expressed in the video and they thought that that was gonna, I'm assuming that they thought that that was gonna work in their favor. But what ended up happening is by playing the whole video, it essentially backed up every single claim or statement that I made. So. It ended up working perfectly. And to add to your point, the video doesn't lie. So yeah. it was the best piece of evidence. Yeah, and, and I would imagine in most cases, a judge doesn't have that kind of video of a crime. A judge normally is a he said, she said, maybe there's some grainy closed circuit TV nearby. But this, literally, the camera was pointed to you guys. So after a full day in court, two prosecutors, one judge, one clerk, one interpreter, I could only imagine how much money was on this. Tell us the verdict. Yeah, so... So, you know, the evidence that we had, we had, as we discussed earlier, we had the statement permitting us to be outside. We had uh, our ID badges, you know, so the police clearly knew who we were. And long story short, the judge read the verdict at the end and essentially called us essential media, said it is essential for us to be out there. And ultimately, I was found not guilty and no more fine of $1,500. That's right. I tell you, for $1,500, though, the legals, all these different, like, I would estimate that 50000 was spent, not necessarily just that day, but all along the way, all the paperwork, the police, the bureaucrats, the organ, like, like, this has been going on within the system for two and a half years, which is insane in itself. Now, we have requested uh, the official transcript of the court, and I understand it's in French, and we'll get it translated, because I think it's very valuable, not only that you were acquitted, which I'm very glad, but for a judge to say, Rebel News is media, we all know that, and they're an essential service, I would love to get a judge saying that, because there are haters out there, including the prime minister, who says, you guys are not media. Well, a Quebec judge just said we were, Buster. So listen, congratulations. I'm sorry that you had to spend, you had to drive out to Montreal, you had to spend a full day there, drive back. Um, you know, the, the economically rational thing to do would have just been pay the ticket, but we stood on principle here. And... Um, I've been through trials before. They can be stressful. They're, they're interesting. Uh, in a way, it's fascinating, all these important people talking about you and what you did. But it's terrifying also because everything you said and did is being examined 
slowly and and you were just saying things in the spur of the moment and now it's being really examined it's a stressful thing but to be vindicated in the end tell me how that feels yeah it it felt amazing we were really happy with the result you know it's a long process as you mentioned so you're kind of unsure at certain times how it's going to go but by the end of it we felt really confident because we knew we had the right to be out there we showed all of our evidence the prosecutors really did not have much at all on us. Well, so, and the chief cop didn't even show up. And so no police officer there to testify against us, nothing. So we really thought at the end of it that unless this judge has some sort of bias against Rebel News, there's no way that we can be found guilty in this case. And... It worked out in our favor. Well, justice was done. It took a long time, but justice was done. That's a good feeling. And frankly, it, it increases your confidence in the justice system just a tiny bit. Just a tiny bit, because sometimes you can lose faith in it. Well, listen, congratulations on your win. We do have plenty more tickets. Uh, I think you mentioned Yankee. I think he has four more tickets, and, and there were other people there that day. Well, listen, congrats, and I just wanted to give that news to our viewers because I thought that was so important. So great to have you back. Great to have the win. And when we get that transcript, we will share it with our viewers. Stay with us. More ahead. Hey, welcome back. Your letters to me, Chris, Minister of Smart Arsery. I'm guessing that's not your real name, says, I moved to Alberta 15 years ago from Ontario, and I earned my way and contributed. I am Albertan by choice, and I understand the value of this wonderful place. That's in response to my interview with uh, Danielle Smith, the premier of the province. We talked about who's coming to Alberta. I think, I mean, it reminds me of what happened in Florida. Uh, Ron DeSantis made Florida such a great state. Low taxes, no COVID lockdowns, stand with the police, crack down on crime, ban transgender craziness. And so all the freedom-oriented people from the rest of the United States came there, but a million people moved there. Yeah, they moved from New York and California and stuff like that, but uh, they were actually the freedom-oriented people. That's why Ron DeSantis had a double-digit win, and I think that's actually why places like New York and, and Pennsylvania went Democrat more than they should have. So, yeah, I think the people moving to Alberta are uh, people who love freedom. Sir I. Johnson says the most important plank in the Alberta Sovereignty Act or is the Alberta Sovereignty Act absolutely imperative to distance Alberta from Ottawa overreach. The thought of a third Trudeau regime makes my blood run cold. Well, I think that... Um, we're going to need those premiers, Danielle Smith, Scott Moe from Saskatchewan. Uh, I see Blaine Higgs from New Brunswick standing up on the trans issue. I think we need the premiers to help turn the tide. I mean, Pierre Polyev is the federal politician whose job it is as official opposition. But I think, I think the premiers of the provinces can do a lot, too. Travis Polson says, I wonder why government doesn't have to pre-post their legislation online to registered citizens for citizen oversight. Reason being, it would be, give us the ability to see what the people think and what the government is doing, because often the two do not match up. Well, actually, the governments do post it online. Federally, uh, the Canadian Parliament actually has a pretty good website. I think the URL is ourcommons.ca. Forgive me for going from memory. But you can find um, every bill... And the different versions and the different amendments, and you can follow the debates, you can read what's going on in committee. Sometimes they actually have video 
right there. So if you are interested in following legislation, actually the parliamentary website is is excellent. And um, I'm, I'm not as familiar with the different provincial websites, but they they do publish legislation um, when it's being introduced. And our parliamentary system is, it goes through what they call three readings. So they introduce the bill, then they have a debate and they have consultations and hearings and they have final reading. And so there's a bunch of, so there is some time they can truncate that time and sort of rush things through, but typically it's months. So actually, if you are interested in that stuff, you've got a lot of reading ahead of you. Listen, that's our show for today. It's great to be back in Toronto. I hope you enjoyed my coverage from Marseille. I thought it was very interesting, and apologies again for my terrible French. Um, I enjoyed uh, reconnecting with the Premier of Alberta. I, I apologize not in that case for my French, but rather for talking too much. I tend to do that in interviews where I get excited. And uh, wow, the poll today, eh? I mean, maybe I'm just too excited by it, but... I had this hunch in my heart, but that, that's not proof of anything. To get Leger, which, I mean, everyone's heard of Leger. They, they are such a uh, prestigious blue-chip pollster. Um, I really feel we can take those results to the bank. That's really credible. That's our show for today. Until next time, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night, and keep fighting for freedom. Mm-hmm.